0: Hey there, welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast, a space to talk about all things life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. My name is Elizabeth. I am an international fertility coach, ICF certified life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. Join us as we support the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your new baby home and everything along the way. See you in the episode. Welcome back to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Today, we are joined by Tamar Samuels. She is a registered dietitian as well as co-founder of Kalina Health. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Hey, Elizabeth.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. First of all, can you tell us what Kalina Health is? I'm curious. I don't know about that. So I apologize, but inform us all. Yeah, yeah. So Kalina Health
1: is... Um, it's a virtual nutrition platform um, that provides comprehensive, personalized, evidence-based nutrition counseling for um, anyone under the sun. So for, we, we serve a variety of different clients. Um, they come to us for um, different reasons, sometimes related to managing chronic disease, sometimes re- related to weight management, but also... Uh, working on their relationship with food. And so um, our team of registered dietitians are all clinically trained to support people to just start
0: feeling good about their nutrition and, and to reach their health goals. Awesome. When you say evidence-based, what does that mean? Like, yeah. What does that yeah, mean? <laughs> so
1: the nutrition space is a little bit wild. <laughs> I like to call it the wild west because um, the word nutritionist actually is not regulated. So anyone can call themselves a nutritionist. So there's no um, standardized sort of scope of practice um, for that word. And so registered dietitians are um, the sort of healthcare professionals in the nutrition space. So if you're getting nutrition information, um, you should get it from a registered dietitian who is someone who is uh, clinically trained um, and we take a lot of science courses. Uh, we are trained in hospitals, so we know a lot about the human body and a lot about nutrition. Um, and so um, when I talk about evidence-based, that means that um, the treatment that we provide for our clients is based on science and research, right? Um, so in the medical space, in healthcare the decisions that we make around providing healthcare for our clients and our patients should be based on what we have in research, right? Um, As we know with like coronavirus, for example, and uh, what's going on with, vaccinations, right, we're doing all of these research studies to see whether or not these medications are effective, efficient, so on and so forth. Um, and so not just with medicine, we also can can um, do research on food as well. And so when I say evidence-based, that's what I'm referring to. So we have certain dietary recommendations or protocols um, that are based on science and literature.
0: Can you give us an example of what that would be versus something that wouldn't be so, so that a listener could know, oh, this is why I need to go down this route because it is evidence-based and, you know, real scientific, um, research to back it versus, you know, Googling something or whatever. Um, what, what's the difference? What's what is an example of that? Yeah.
1: So I'm going to give you a controversial example. (laughs) because It goes to how how complicated um, nutrition is. I'll give you a controversial example and then I'll give you an easy example. (laughs) Um, So let's start with controversy because it's always more fun. Um, Uh So intermittent fasting, I'm sure you and lots of the listeners out there have heard of intermittent fasting, right? Um, And intermittent fasting is actually a, it's not, it's not just one um, sort of quote unquote diet, it's actually a way of, there's a variety of different types of fasting. Um, Some of those fasts include time feeding where you're only eating within a certain window and then you're fasting in a certain window. That's probably the most common one, but actually a lot of the research on intermittent fasting is more so done when people are fasting um, over the course of several days throughout the week and actually not having any um calories at all. <laughs> um, or they're having about 50% of their of their or or 25% of their typical calorie intake. So um, mm-hmm. when people talk about intermittent fasting, they're really talking, most people are talking about time feeding, right? Like eating within an eight hour period and then fasting um, for the rest of the time. Um, but the research is actually done more so on other types of fasting. Um, and so The research on intermittent fasting has found to be helpful for uh, managing type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance. Uh, However, the current research also states that it's not more effective for weight loss than just following a regular low-calorie diet. Um, And the research is new, but there is a little bit of research that talks about how intermittent fasting can impact women's um, menstrual cycles um, in a negative way. Um, and so when people come to me and they ask me about intermittent fasting, um, the I'm on top of the research for this, right? And this is sort of how I would approach working with someone letting them know, this is you know, what the evidence says about intermittent fasting. This is what I have found in my practice. So personally for my practice and the patients that I work with, I haven't found it successful. Um, just from a sort of lifestyle perspective, like it just hasn't been sustainable for a lot of people. And that it also tends to um, exacerbate like disordered eating. And so that is sort of the difference between getting information from a health professional in the nutrition space versus like someone on Instagram who's like, oh, I'm doing intermittent fasting. And-, <laughs> yeah. and like, you should try it. Um, and then right. I think like an easy, an easier example is like fiber, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ton of, Positive research on the benefits of eating more fiber for weight loss, for digestive health, for managing diabetes and high blood sugar, um, for cardiovascular disease. So that is sort of like a easy, there's, it's an easy recommendation that we can make because we know there's a wealth of literature on this that really supports integrating fiber into the diet for, you know, managing chronic disease, preventing Mm -hmm. chronic disease and weight management as well.
0: Yeah. So and the reason that I really honed in on the evidence base is because our listeners generally are in the realm of trying to conceive or they have had a baby already and they're trying to get their hormones back on track and maybe trying for number two. And so, you know, that example that you use and you actually mention insulin resistance, it actually plays a big significant role in fertility, as well as how that correlates to maybe someone with PCOS and things like that. So if somebody has those types of diagnosis already, is working with either this app and or you directly helpful for them in order to connect that with their fertility journey, essentially? Yes, absolutely. Such a good question, Elizabeth. I um, and my dietitians
1: love supporting women in their fertility journey- journeys. It's something that we have found really great results with. Um, nutrition and just general lifestyle interventions. So my dietitians also help to support just healthy habits overall, right? It's not just about nutrition. Nutrition doesn't exist in a vacuum, right? Like we eat, um, what we eat, how we eat, when we eat is influenced by so many aspects of our lives. And so we really help to support our clients from like a healthy lifestyle perspective. And I know that um, fertility is uh, is super challenging. I myself um, tried to get pregnant. I was trying to conceive for three years. Um, I tried IUI twice, um, unsuccessfully, and then I got pregnant without intervention, um, quote unquote, naturally at the beginning of the pandemic. So I just had my first baby eight months ago. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you. Girl or and boy? A, it's a girl, it's a girl, oh, yeah yeah it's it's parenthood is wild <laughs> we're having a good time Yeah, um, but i know the fertility journey can be really frustrating and challenging and certainly i work with a lot of women who have pcos and it's actually really amenable to diet and lifestyle changes for a lot of women for some women it it is not um but for a lot of women it it is um so yes absolutely i think if you're struggling and you haven't already tried to work um, with the nutrition aspect of your health, um, it's absolutely worth trying. I've helped a lot of women get pregnant who had PCOS or who have PCOS.
0: Yeah, and I think to, to point out with the PCOS specifically, oftentimes they're told that it's again correlated to weight and you know, when you're trying to conceive and you're going to a fertility doctor, the last thing that you really want to hear is like, oh, we'll come back when you've lost, you know, five to 10 pounds or whatever it is that they're telling you that, you know, is better for you. And they even say like the smallest amount will help your fertility, um, Mm -hmm. even just a little bit. So, you know, that's not, again, you're focused on having a baby. The last thing you want to focus is on, focus on is like, oh my God, now I need to lose weight on top of this before I can even get to that place. And so it becomes this kind of negative, like spiral in your head on top of what you're already dealing with, with trying to get pregnant. And so I think the, the small changes with the nutrition that can be working for you, because you mentioned earlier, like think the word sustainable, right? So mm-hmm. what is going to be a small change for you that you can continue to, to make that will make a difference in your fertility, right? Like it doesn't need to be some giant like overhaul of everything. Is that, do you, is that how you operate for things? Or do you feel like some people really do need a giant overhaul? Such a good question. I
1: mean, our philosophy at Colina Health is really working on sustainable changes that build healthy habits in the long term. It's really the small everyday things that I think impact people's health the most. Some people have extreme you know, health conditions that they need to manage in extreme ways, but I think that's very much the minority. The majority of people really will see a major difference in their health outside of the scale Um, by making small changes, right? And those changes could be, um, you know, decreasing your sugar intake. They could be increasing movement. They could be increasing produce, right? Like when we think about polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, yes, it's driven by insulin resistance, um, but it's also driven by inflammation. Um, And when we work to introduce more fruits and vegetables, healthy fats, anti-inflammatory foods, um, that can help to support Um, managing the condition as well, right? Um, And introducing more anti-inflammatory foods can be really helpful for fertility. Um, And so even just like making an effort to have fruit or a vegetable every time you eat can have a huge impact on your health overall. Um, So, you know, it depends on where you're at. I think that's the most important thing for people, right? Some people are already doing all of the things, right? They're already, you know, doing everything. And Sometimes for those individuals, it can be helpful to have a little bit more of an intense like protocol um, to see if like that extra uh, step moves the mark at all. But I don't recommend doing that on your own because it can be really stressful, um, it could be exhausting. It can really strain your relationship with your body, your relationship with food. Right. So if you do want to experiment with these more kind of extreme, um, I don't want to say diet, but these more extreme protocols with nutrition, then do it like with the support of an expert. So it, it's guided and it, and it doesn't, you know, have a negative long-term impact on your mental health.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So through the app, is it some, are they working with a dietitian directly or how does that work through the app? Yeah, yeah. So all of
1: our um, client sessions are one-on-one with a registered dietitian. Typically we see our clients, um, you know, either weekly or every other week. So we have lots of of check-ins, you know, we find that that really helps for support and accountability. We also have like a secure messaging um, function where we're able to chat with our clients between sessions. Um, I have people message me all the time like, hey, I'm going out to this restaurant. What do you recommend that I have? So um, it's really nice to just have an ally ar- around food and nutrition, um, you know, in order for you to m- have support to make those changes, right? Because it's not just about education. I think people think that, you know, the knowledge is the most important and it is really important and certainly getting like that knowledge from an expert is even more important, but after that, it's really about you know behavior change, and that is really the hard part, right? You know what you need to do, but now you have to do it.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, and I think that accountability aspect goes a long way, right? Like if you have somebody that you can check in with to say, "I'm going here," what do you recommend? Just knowing that you have that in your back pocket, like literally and figuratively, is so helpful because you don't feel like you're doing it on your own, and then you also know, okay, I. I have somebody that is kind of there that I can check in with and circle back with. I think really like there's no, there's no price tag to having accountability in my opinion, just because there's so much going on in life, especially now where we do live so much more isolated than we normally do that in these things that we're trying to move forward with like nutrition, I think it's just helpful. Like it helps, you know, and it feels good and you feel connected with somebody else, even if it's, through an app or whatever it may be. It's like, there is a real person on the other side and that feels pretty good. Totally. I think that's the most important
1: thing, right? Like there's these talks out there that have like AI bots and like, you know, it just doesn't move the the needle, right? Like there's nothing more important than connecting with a real human who genuinely cares about your health. and knows what they're talking about.
0: (laughs) Right, because there is so much information out there that, on the internet, and I always say, like, yes, as much as there's great information, you can also go down a very bad rabbit hole of information that's not correct, or just not correct for you, maybe, right, and I think that's really where it comes into having this tailored experience for each person. Like what works for me doesn't work for the next person, not only because of how I come to the table, but maybe I do have inflammation. Maybe I do have something else going on or, you know, stomach issues or whatever that's going to make, you know, I had SIBO for quite a while and, you know, there's certain foods that normally would be good for other people that would make me super sick, you know, like cauliflower. And that's when the yeah. cauliflower <laughs> boom was happening. Like it, everything Polly was,
1: like, every yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 um, but yet at the same time, like that was the worst thing that I could be eating, you know? Um, so I think really talking to somebody who's educated in this realm is key. So let's switch gears a little bit to postpartum and And, you know, most people are like, how am I going to fit into my jeans after this? And I know for me, like the the maternity jeans were my best friend for as long (laughs) as I possibly could. I'm like elastic waistband. Oh my God. Yes, please. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, of course, you, everybody gets to that point at their own pace of when they're ready to like, feel like I want to feel my body normal again. What do you suggest for somebody who's just had a baby and, you know, they're, they want to still be healthy because maybe they're still breastfeeding and or they want to try again sooner rather than later. Um, but at the same time, they want to feel normal and get back into their clothes. What do you suggest for people in those situations? Yeah, I mean, I'm currently in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: it, you know, It's so interesting. I think everybody's body is really different. And I think knowing that and remembering that is really important. Some women, when they're breastfeeding, lose weight really quickly. Some women, when they're breastfeeding, it actually prevents them from, from losing weight. Um, so I think first and foremost, remember, like focus on your health outside of breastfeeding. If, if you're, if you're not breastfeeding, even, you know, you have such intense needs as a woman postpartum, right. just the recovery from birth alone, um, takes several, several months. So give yourself a little bit of grace, right? One thing at a time, and then, you know, recovery from birth. And then there's the whole lack of sleep thing too. (laughs) So I think, you know, sleep has a huge impact on our metabolic rate. So it's really important to uh, remember um, that, you know, maybe you're not losing weight because you're not sleeping and that's not something you can control because you have a a baby. (laughs) Um, So I think it's important to give yourself some, some grace around your body. Um, When you feel more ready to kind of kick in, let's say, baby sleeping better, you're getting better sleep, you're in more of a routine, you got the breastfeeding thing down, or you got the, you know, work, working back to work thing down and kind of juggling all of the things. Um, When you feel like it's a good time for you to start, I think a good focus is the basics. Um, And so for me, um, the basics are having regular meals, so making sure that you're starting with you know three meals and two snacks. Um, if you're lactating, you definitely want to have those two snacks. Um, if you're not, sometimes you can have one, depending on um, you know your how long your day is, your hunger level, your physical activity level, and then making sure that you're having protein with all of all of those meals and a form of produce. Um, and so having uh, a balanced sort of plate where you're having Lots of fruit, lots of vegetables, um, protein helps to keep us full and it stabilizes our blood sugar. So when we're having protein with not just our meals, but also our snacks, it can really help to manage our, our appetite. Um, and then introducing healthy carbohydrates um, in portions that are um, I don't want to say reasonable, because I feel like that's a judgy word, but I feel like people overdo carbs, um, or underdo carbs, right? So making sure that you're having an adequate amount of protein or adequate amount of carbohydrates, um, and the right kind is really important. So typically I recommend like this full size, um, with one to two meals, um, If you're, if you're breastfeeding and so kind of like really starting with like the basics of that, it doesn't have to be all of those things. It could just be like one of those things, like having three meals, um, and one to two snacks, right? Like just start there and then kind of build on that. Um, the goal is is if you're breastfeeding,
0: not if you're trying to lose weight, postpartum, correct? Or, um,
1: so if you're, if, if you are breastfeeding, then you can, you can and should have more calories and also Um, more carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're not breastfeeding, then your calorie needs are lower. Um, and your macro, your need for carbohydrates are also lower. Um, and so we want to sort of like decrease our, you don't have to decrease your carbohydrates necessarily, but you want to like decrease your calories overall. You don't have to count calories. The best way to do that is to just increase your produce and decrease your serving of carbohydrates. Um, so instead of having like two cups, have a half a cup.
0: Okay. And then for somebody that's pregnant, this just came up. So I have a lot of people that come to me because they've spent so much money on fertility diets and it's not working. And so we kind of change things a little bit, but a lot of them are on gluten-free, dairy-free, all the things. Mm. Um, what do you recommend from, again, an evidence-based experience for people that are pregnant? newly pregnant, so specifically like first trimester, how does, what do you know about that as far as people staying on that they don't necessarily have a food sensitivity to gluten or dairy or whatever, but that's the diet that they've been on. Um, What's your recommendation for women that are in those situations?
1: If you're not sensitive to gluten or dairy, there's no need for you to eliminate it, Um, period. Whether you're pregnant, whether you're trying to conceive, whether you are a regular person (laughs) in this, in this world, um, there is no need to eliminate gluten and dairy if you're not sensitive to it. Mm -hmm. Um, that being said, many people are sensitive to gluten and dairy. Right. (laughs) so I think, I think the first step is to really identify if that's something you even need to do. Um, you know, from a fertility perspective, the research says that um, actually, interestingly, um, whole milk dairy products tend to be more helpful for fertility, whereas low fat dairy products tend to be harmful to Mm -hmm. fertility, which I find to be really interesting. Mm -hmm. There isn't much research on gluten and fertility. um, And I think it just depends on- why you know you're having trouble trying to conceive like the the root of that um, the issue with gluten is that it can be inflammatory for for some individuals um, and those individuals can have either celiac disease or non-celiac gluten sensitivity um, mm-hmm. and so when they eat gluten it causes inflammation and that inflammation could then do a number of that then has an impact on a number of different aspects of our health, right? It can impact our digestive system, it can impact absorption, it can impact um, our hormones. um, And so that is sort of like where the gluten piece comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so honestly, the best way to figure out if you are sensitive to gluten and dairy is to do, again, under the help of a professional, do an elimination diet. Um, the food sensitivity tests out there are just not standardized, they're not valid. Um, even GI doctors uh, don't recommend them. Food allergy tests are one thing, but food sensitivity tests, there's a lot out there and um, they're, they're not valid tests. So like really the gold standard is an elimination and then a reintroduction protocol.
0: Okay, so yeah, I think, the, again, Because when, and you know, but this I'm sure for yourself too, you like hold on so tight to doing all the things to try to get pregnant and it's the Googling of what they think, okay, I need to do no sugar, no dairy, no gluten in order to get pregnant and then when that doesn't happen, it's because you don't have the sensitivity to that so I just want to go back to what Tamara just said, as far as really checking in to see, do I, is that even a thing for me? Right. Because it can cause you a lot of mental stress to be like, I can't have this. I can't go out to that place because you know, whatever, when in fact, that's not really your story. That's not really what, what you're all about for your body. And so working again with somebody that can help you figure out the best way for you is, is always, you know, to me, a baseline start, if nothing else. So, you know, what you're dealing with for your body, right? Yeah. And, you
1: know, honestly, the stress that you have from eliminating these foods is probably doing more harm to your fertility than the foods themselves. right? <laughs> I have
0: so much success when those people come for me after paying so much money with others, but yeah, yeah. That, that, it's the mental aspect, I think. Yeah. Cause it is stressful. And, and, and your body doesn't need one more added thing to be worried about when you're you know like why are you why are you taking this away from me like we're fine with this you know um in fact like otherwise just add more fruit add more vegetables uh instead and go the other direction i i always say um is there anything like top tips that you would tell people, again, either who are trying to conceive or just trying to get healthier for that matter, um, that are either in postpartum or, you know, anything around motherhood and, um, all of that sort of thing, you know, people that are in our realm, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, for, for me personally, and I think the work that I do with my clients, I know this is not Nutrition related but I think the sleep is number one <laughs> like really uh focusing as much as you can on yeah. on getting good sleep um or getting better sleep than you otherwise would have like yeah. the, you know when my daughter doesn't sleep at night I'll go to bed at eight o'clock <laughs> so I can just catch up right yeah. and, and that's a sacrifice that I make and you know time is like it's nice to wind down and watch a little TV, but, um, you know, getting those extra hours in really helps to support your metabolism. It helps to support your mood. It helps to support your decision-making, um, your productivity, right? Like, so really everything, I think it's like really, truly the cornerstone for a lot of the healthy habits that we either choose or not choose to engage in. So I think, I think that's a a really big one. And I know it's probably the hardest one, but you know, prioritizing that I think is so helpful. Um, Once you get the mental health down, then everything else kind of falls into place a lot easier. And I think what helps with mental health the most is sleep and also movement and and physical activity. So just kind of making a point to really get outside uh, if you can and just move your body. You don't have to do full cycle. You don't have to, you know, do a crazy workout, but just taking the time to really, you know, get those 10,000 steps a day, which is really hard.
0: Yeah, (laughs) It's so hard. Especially now that we're all working from home.
1: Yeah, it's a big, it's a big difference. I think as far as nutrition tips are concerned, I think really optimizing finding easy ways to optimize your nutrition outside of the weight and really focusing on um, being as healthy as possible, because as a new mom, I think your demands are, are more than they ever have been. Right. Especially if you're a working mom, you know, going back to work and doing all of the other things can be so challenging. And if you're not healthy, it's going to impact everybody else. uh, including you know your little one. So I think really focusing on um, making sure that you are optimizing your nutrition by adding in fruits and vegetables, adding in good quality proteins, adding in healthy fats, right? And the quick and easy stuff is, you know, grab and go nuts, grab and go uh, fruits um, and, you know, vegetables like carrot sticks, sugar, snap peas, radishes, um, like raw stuff that you can really just like pop in your mouth, right? I love a great like sheet pan roasted meal um, that you literally get everything pre-chopped, add some olive oil, add some seasoning, pop it in the oven for 20 minutes. And that's it, right. Uh, you can throw some chicken, some salmon, <laughs> um, like really quick and easy things that you can implement that have a very low commitment as far as time.
0: <laughs> yeah which is key when you're juggling all the things, right? And I love your your point about the sleep. It's, you know, everybody knows, uh, you hear about the sleep before you have a baby and whatnot, but it really is pretty traumatic to your system to realize like all of a sudden, and most for most of us, it's not necessarily all of a sudden because we're not sleeping during the last few weeks of pregnancy. Yeah. But at the <laughs> same time, it's a different demand that you have at that point and really letting go of the I don't know, the control for a lack of better word of like letting somebody, if you have a friend that'll come over and do the nights for you for, you know, once a week or whatever, just so you can get that good sleep, um, have your husband or your partner, you know, do some of those times, let go because understanding the critical need for sleep and knowing that you are gonna show up better for your baby, for the world, all of the things and yourself, goes a long way and I think sometimes it's hard because you want to be able to say I'm doing it all and I'm but really you don't need to do it all it's okay to let somebody else t- sleep over and help you with your baby through the night just so you can start to get your body more regulated so
1: yes 100% I mean it's I didn't know what sleep deprivation really was was until I was a yeah. kid. it really impacts everything um, yeah it doesn't so. feel it doesn't
0: feel good. <laughs> no. And of course they, it just keeps evolving. Like then you have a four-month regression and then you have the nine-month regression and then you're like, what is happening? Yeah, so I mean, you finally you get, get over back, the edge a little bit. Again. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Where can we find more information about you and the app and all of that good stuff?
1: Thank you, Elizabeth. It's so great to talk to some mamas and mamas to be. Um, if you guys want to check more, uh, check me out more. You can find me on Instagram at Tamar Samuels RD. Um, and you can also find Kalina Health on Instagram at Kalina Health and
0: KalinaHealth.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much again, and we will be in touch and seeing you soon. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you for listening to this episode of the pretty little tribe podcast. Follow up on Instagram at the pretty little tribe or at Elizabeth King underscore coaching for updates, resources, and a community to connect with. If you are looking for extra support and tools to guide you along your TTC and parenting journey, visit elizabethking.com. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast everywhere you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Visit elizabethking.com backslash pretty little tribe podcasts for more information on how to enter any review counts. I just appreciate your honest feedback so I can provide you with the best support possible in your TTC and parenthood journey. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.